Hi, everybody, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours, Fan Bites Friday afternoon podcast coming at you live, not, no, pre recorded. Live to from, tape. <laughs> live to tape from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Mary Kay, and joining me as always is Danielle Riando. Danielle, how are you? I'm I'm good. It is actually a fairly beautiful October Brooklyn afternoon. It's one of the few that we get, you know. Yeah, one of the few nice days. The that we sun get is that the New sun York. is shining. The weather <laughs> the is, is nice. The air is crisp, and uh, the bugs are dying by the truckload. They sure are. Good Unless riddance they're in to an them. Apartment. <laughs> Unless they are in an apartment, and uh, let me tell you. Uh, they are. <laughs> they, they, sh- <laughs> yeah. they sure are. They, they sure, sure are. are. Moving into an old building. Yeah. Um, you know, my new place is beautiful, and I love it very much, and it's far superior to my old place in many ways, except that um, there are cockroaches in this building. Yeah. And they are tenacious little bastards. Yeah. And, um, you know. You'll spot one here and there, and that's fine. Um, I mean, it's not fine, but you sort of learn to live with it, I think, and then you try to get rid of them as best you can. But when I was in the basement the other day taking yeah. down, um, taking my laundry down, I did see a pretty big cockroach down there. That was in the basement, though. So I'm like, if you stay down there, that's fine. Like, you can have the basement. I only yeah. go down there to take the trash down and take my laundry down. So, like, that's Okay. Just like we'll have a truce, you know? Right, right. And it's like the price you pay to have laundry in the building, I feel like, you know? Yes. You know, the basement, it's like, you know, it's like just a, a, an old building basement. Like it's, you're going to get some bugs. And also there's like a door that's always open mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. basement. Um, because I think the super or someone else like hangs out outside. It's kind of unclear. I'm not sure. But uh, I also (laughs) did see a rat down there the other day. Oh, good. Uh, That was startling. It sort of jumped out of the trash. (laughs) They do that. It's it's a little freaky. Yeah. 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 Listen, (laughs) you're living in New York. There's going to be some rats. There's going to be some rats. There's going to be some bugs. There's going to be some like crowded situations sometimes you know that's there's the price of living in ass. the city i mean if you were living in the woods you would have like i don't know like wolves or something right so like yeah bears in some areas bears for bears. sure jackals ja- probably coyotes? not jackals coyotes that's what i was thinking of yeah um or like um like a uh, a mountain lion what's that yeah yeah that's a thing yeah, I, that's more of a West Coast thing or like Western yeah. states thing, but it's still a thing. Yeah, it still exists. I think um, England had this thing with wolves. Um, I think wolves were like reintroduced to England at some point. Like, oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Because wolves, there used to be wolves in England, and yeah, then right. I think they haunted them to extinction in like uh, like a thousand years ago or something. <laughs> sure. Um, and then I think, okay, wait, no, I'm looking it up now and, oh, I think they, there has been proposals to like bring wolves back. (laughs) We need, we need to bring wolves back. (laughs) Listen, wolves. It's been so long, you know. (laughs) You know, we had, 
we had some bad times, but there were good times too with wolves. <laughs> and um, yeah. oh, because there were there were hordes of red deer just like <laughs> rampaging throughout forests and uh, and just like eating all the trees. Apparently, so they were like, I tell you what, let's bring wolves back, control yeah. the deer population. But how do you deal with the wolf population? Though? Yeah. That becomes an issue, right? Like when you bring back a, a, you know, a fairly large predator. Wolves aren't little. They're okay. not little. I could be wrong. It's possible there are smaller wolves, but wolves are pretty big. And yeah, they can I fuck mean, fuck you up. You know, listen, a wolf can fuck you up. A wolf is not a fox, right? Like a wolf is like, like we're talking about a gray wolf. Like a That's gray like, wolf. That's uh, like, yeah. You know, it's my like my partner a, is is uh, sending me a telepathic message that says they're around eighty pounds, which is large. That is correct. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, they're around 80, 80 90 pounds. Um, that's like a, a good, good sized dog. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, they used to be even bigger. Oh shit! Like uh, dire wolves. Dire yeah. wolves. Um. Those were a thing, right? So yeah, they they were big. How big were they? They were a hundred and thirty pounds. Oh my god, that's like bigger than that's me. That's a big dog. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's more than I weigh. That's like not by um, a lot, but right by a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucked up that like there used to just be like giant animals. I mean, okay, listen, they're still big. We still have big animals. Like we, we do, still have we whales. We still have elephants. I mean, like there used to be versions of animals that exist now that were just like fucking giant. Yeah. Like it's really big. I'm trying to think like what else? Like, there were huge woolly birds. Mammoths. Woolly mammoths. <laughs> um there were like yeah, big birds, like a big bird. Big bird. Yeah, you got to watch out for them. Um, Glyptodon. Oh, what's that? fucking weird. I used to have like, so I used to be really into like prehistoric um, or like like dinosaurs and stuff when I was a kid. I think because of Jurassic Park and stuff. But like I was also just into like, yeah, just like all the weird extinct animals. Um, Apparently, (laughs) there was a mammal that was the size of a Volkswagen Beetle that was like, (laughs) let me send you... Uh, an artist's depiction of this fella because um, oh yeah mushrooms did used to be bigger than trees um i think uh jordo points that out um oh my god yeah this this absolute unit what i'm in awe at the size of this lad okay so this looks just like like an armadillo. It's like a giant armadillo, but also looks like what's that other big rodent? The big rodent? Oh, like a sloth kind of thing? No. Um Well, they're not rodents. They're like sorry, the, but the yeah. swamp rat kind of oh guy. My God. <laughs> yeah. You know. God. Everyone loves them. They take a bath. You know. Hmm. Everybody loves them. They take a bath. Otters? Ca- uh, capybara. Oh, capybaras. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking of the otters when they swim with when they hold hands because that was a meme. Well, that's for a while. very cute. That, that is very cute. cute. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? What's another big thing? Okay, yeah, this huge bird, this bird that has twenty. It's like twenty feet, twenty four feet long. Um, <laughs> <It's> incredible. <laughs> this fucking guy. 
Um, I love this. I used to love this stuff. It's oh just my like, god! Look uh, at this horse bird. Paracerotherium. Oh wow, Paracerotherium. A lot of the stuff, like I look at it and I'm just like, no, there's no, <laughs> no, that's fake, probably. <laughs> Somebody made. I don't think up. that's real. <laughs> um, ground sloth. There is a, a big. Uh, it was a 9,000-pound sloth. Oh, so there was a big sloth. Okay. Uh, yeah. That makes me kind of happy, actually, that there was a big uh, sloth. And then this thing is called the Deodon, and it's a huge pig. <laughs> it's just like a, an extremely large wild pig. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, but it has a horsey face. It does have a horsey face. So I am on uh, treehugger.com uh, right now. <laughs> it's an article called Extinct Megafauna That Are Out of This World. Um, and there was apparently also a giant otter too that was the size of a wolf. I love this. <laughs> this is fucked up. I love this. I truly love this. I just, it's just bizarre that science and reality and, you know, natural selection and all of these things that are like these very straight laced theories about the world, which they are, and they're good theories, but also they produce wild ass shit like this. Like this is video game design shit. Right? This is like, yeah, I, oh, we decided to make a cool character, and it's just always something like this. <laughs> right. This is like, um, uh, it was in that Netflix special, like the toys that made us. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're, I never saw it, but I saw a clip from it that was going around a couple of years ago that they're talking about He-Man and how they invented He-Man and the the lion that he rides yeah. around, and um, basically they had like existing an existing model like mold for a tiger but it was for like a different scale of uh toy it was from like a safari guy to uh, a oh, toy nice. which was like a much bigger character and so like the tiger was bigger too and so like they were like oh use the tiger for he-man just do we already have that so you don't have to make a new mold for it and the guy was like but it's huge it's gonna look ridiculous and it's like ah just put a saddle on it make him ride the fucking tiger who cares and like so he just painted this tiger and put a saddle on it. And that's why He-Man rides a tiger around because they already had the mold for this giant, ti- like comparatively giant-sized cat. Uh, and they had to find a way for it to fit with He-Man. <laughs> I just love the attitude of throw a saddle on it. Eh, that just, just fixes everything. Hey, he'll just ride the fucking lion. Who cares He'll be fine, shit? kids. Kids don't care. Uh, ride the lion. Lion That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> I don't forget if that was his name. Lo- yeah, I, I have no idea. Did you I watch like any She-Ra? of those, like, uh, She-Ra or anything when you were a kid? I love She-Ra when I was, She-Ra like, was great. a baby, baby, baby. I apparently, um, I don't even remember this all that well, but apparently when I was, like, three or four, my mom rented this She-Ra tape from the video store so many times that she looked into just buying it from them. And it was going to wow. be like 90 bucks or something because it was before VHS tapes were like yeah. totally mass produced. Or like they were mass produced, but it wasn't like just a thing you could buy easily, like an impulse purchase. Oh, right, like in 1986 right. or whatever, it was like, no, that's actually kind of expensive. <laughs> well, also like video stores, I feel like, have this thing where... um. If you lost something, yeah. uh, the cost to replace it was like $100 or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, why is that? That's not how much it costs to buy a movie. And like, I think my parents tried to explain it as like, oh, well, it's to like dissuade you from, 
you know, like if it were just like the cost to buy the movie, people would just keep it and the video stores would be like, the business model would be uh, unsustainable, which uh, as we know, it uh, it, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Did you ever go to like a video store when it was going out of business and like buy a bunch of stuff from them? Oh, no, I did. I regret that I didn't because I, I spent know. a lot of time in like my local um, blockbuster video, like a lot yeah. of time as a teenager, especially like renting games and also renting every independent film I could get my little hands on mm. often multiple times in a row. So I could look at a movie and be like, wow, I wonder how they made this and, uh, <laughs> be a very odd child. <laughs> basically. <laughs> I did that a lot. I rented yeah. Girl Fight like 17 times and it all makes sense now. But at the time, <laughs> I was like not even interested in it for the boxing. I mean, I liked that element, uh, but uh-huh. it was more like, it's an independent film. This is art. And then I would watch uh, Michelle Rodriguez and her uh-huh. like breakout debut boxing. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Classic Karen now. Kusama flick. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, sometimes... Uh, you appreciate both the art and the jock in something, and uh, it's yeah. a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. And then you were so hyped for Aeon Flux. Yeah, so hyped. <laughs> so, so, so very. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Um, I definitely did that at least once. Like, I went to a video store at least once when they were closing. It was my local video store, was called Jumbo Video, and their mascot was this like pink elephant. Oh, that's um, perfect. And uh, speaking of megafauna, um, <laughs> yeah. and I bought, I think we bought a bunch of movies and I bought a bunch of Super Nintendo games as well. Oh, nice. Um, so like I did, I think I got like a copy of Star Fox. I got like uh, Mega Man. I got like some old fighting game that I had really liked that was terrible. <laughs> um, but it's so funny to think now that like, because collecting wasn't really a thing at that point. Right. Um this would have been like in the early 2000s and yeah. um, no one really cared about old games. And right. then, and now that market has become so inflated and um, which is, is weird because those games are more accessible than ever uh, yeah. through less than legal means um, <laughs> yeah. and, and often through legal means. Like often a lot of those games now are playable on modern consoles through like, um, virtual consoles or like re-releases or things like that. So it is kind of weird that like simultaneously the market has gone up, but um, like it's funny. Um, so uh, I received a Sega Saturn for my birthday from you and, uh, and yeah. Jordo, which was a wonderful surprise. Oh, good. And um, it's funny like to think that, you know, 20 years ago, um, like, right, I feel like there is probably a window of time where Sega Saturn games were going for, like, 10 bucks or, like, less. Yeah. Um, you could go to, like, a Funko Land and just, like, grab off all their stock. And uh, and now, like, a lot of games are, like, around, like, 100 for, like, yep. you know, solid titles. And then um, some go for, like, upwards of 1,000, uh, which is wild. crazy. And, like... Yeah, yeah. The, um, I mean, we talked about collecting a few weeks ago. I think so. We probably we don't have to get too deep into that, but it's still um, it's still pretty fascinating though as a as a concept. Yeah. I just remember on this note, 
right after the Dreamcast sort of technically died. Yeah. And like so early, they were early like, 2001. We're sorry. Yeah. It was it was a sad time, but also that's when I would go to like Funko Lands and buy ten dollar games, like good game like Bangai yeah. on, on mm. Dreamcast and like other just like a little bit niche, but not wildly like I don't know, not nothing too crazy, but I would get all these games for like ten bucks and be like yeah. What a deal! Because I was a seventeen-year-old and I didn't have much money. And it was <laughs> right. <amazing>. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I got Space Channel Five that way. Bangayo, like a few others, maybe one of Sonic something. I don't know which. Because I, oh, I definitely wow. had you know the first Sonic, Sonic Shuffle. Game. Maybe. Maybe it was actually the fucking Mario Party. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic. <God. game. laughs> Sonic Shuffle. God, remember Sonic Shuffle. Yeah. I never played it, but I definitely remember reading about it and just being like, huh, okay. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I also read every single word of, like, an electronic gaming monthly every month. Like, every word. Yeah. Whether I had the console or not, because I was just like, well, right. games. So. Yeah, I had official Dreamcast magazine, so I was like, that was, I think, yeah. I think that was the only game magazine that I ever subscribed to. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and it had this really nice, like, matte finish cover. Oh. It's really pleasant to, like, hold and look at. And uh, just, yeah, reading all those old magazines was so weird because it was like, oh, these are, like, adults who are living this weird kind of, like, to a child, what seemed like a dream life of, like, <laughs> yes. oh, here's a feature where someone just went to Japan to, like, go to a, a trade show and just play games and stuff. And, um being like, wow, these people are so cool. <laughs> uh, and now just being like, I have no idea where the fuck any of those people are now. Like, I'm sure some of them still work in the industry, but like, I think a lot of them just, I mean, I don't know. They've moved into other fields or like, yeah. and I'm sure it was cool at the time. It has this air almost of like, uh, like early 20th century uh, <gasps> writing for like, literary magazines where they're like yeah we'll send you yeah Hemingway we'll send you to France for a year just to do whatever write something about it for us that sounds great a hundred percent yeah like I remember late 90s and very early 2000s which was when I was like subscribed to EGM I actually had that subscription until like 2009 or whatever when it when it did finally fold at least the first time or or Mm -hmm. whatever but like the late 90s, they definitely had a feature. They There would be, you know, the holiday season books were like actual books with 300 pages. And they would have features where mm. they just hired models to like dress up as hot elves. And oh like all God. the dudes from the review crew would just like dress as elves oh and take pictures God. with the hot model elf ladies. And like they had the budget for like, can you fucking imagine just having like a budget that's like hey here's our features budget go mm-hmm. find some hot chicks and dress up like, <laughs> like what a fucking idea just, i mean listen bananas. listen listen i think what is stopping us from doing that is propriety and not like <laughs> listen we absolutely could do that if we wanted to yeah. i i mean probably well, maybe not, but... Um, we could hire Instagram models. We could. We could. Probably. <laughs> hey, dress up as the yell block from Tetris. It's going to be real sexy. We want to get this sexy real sexy L-block. looking. All right, you're going to be the yell block. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you are just going to be in a big foam costume. We're not going to be able to see anything. But 
But we'll know that there's a very we'll traditionally know. attractive we'll person know. in there. <laughs> They'll know. That's the suggestion of eroticism. <laughs> it's more erotic than the actual nudity itself. That's sort you of know. my character that I've invented. I like it. What's their name? Uh, uh, mm, Mar- Margaret. Uh, sure. No, not no. Um, Mark, Margaret. <laughs> Margaret Thatch. No. Um, Mark Turbo. Jordan is is asking. Mark, Mark Turbo. Tur- uh, no, it's not Margaret anymore. It's Dunk. Dunk. Wow. Dunk and Chino. Know, huh? Don't mind if I do. Oh. Uh, you know what's funny she's about got that? A huge ass <laughs> in your head. It's all the way up in it. All the way up in it. <laughs> God. It's funny because that Dunkachino thing is like my culture that I grew up in. Yeah. Like it's like my how culture. How so? You know? Like, well, that's like how people actually talk about their donkeys in Rhode Island. Like, wow. They, they really do. They're into it, you know? Something new is brewing at D&D. Yeah. There is a Dunkin' Donut, or at least there was a Dunkin' Donuts on like, I wouldn't say every corner. Mm. where I grew up, but I would say there are like more than 20 or 30 within a mile radius. That's like Tim Hortons where I grew up because Tim Hortons came from my hometown. And so like there were definitely corners where there was like one, there's like a drive-through in like a little (laughs) self-isolated area. And then across the street, there was like a little strip mall with a Tim Hortons in there. And then up the street, a next block, there is another one. And like, (laughs) yeah, it it was a real scene. It was a wild scene. I like genuinely, so it's not like I have a business brain at all, but I truly wonder, like, is that to just keep out any possible competition? Is that all that is? I don't know. I mean, I think Tim Hortons was franchised, so. Sure, sure. I'm sure there is some like market logic to it. It's like the same thing with car dealerships, right? Of like, but it's not exactly the same because it's not like a car dealership where like a bunch of different ones are in the same place. It's just like, it's the same store. With the same exact It's a bunch of the same store. Yeah. But maybe people, it's like, oh, we'll go there so that if this one's busy, people will come to us. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I like, I've always actually been super curious about how the like, (laughs) <laughs> not not city planning, but like the city planning of how you position your stores when you have, mm. an, you know, a giant, um, you know, kind of coffee and donut empire, I suppose. Like how you figure out where to grab places and, and hold real estate and that sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe somebody out there knows this because, of course, a, a human being does this. I'm just so curious what goes into those decisions from a weird business brain point of view i suppose yeah no i mean it's uh it's interesting yeah yeah well speaking of interesting (laughs) mary are there any pieces or things you worked on this week that were especially cool that you wanted to highlight or chat about yeah let me see let me there were a lot of cool things that went up on the site in the last week yeah, some cool, fun stuff. Um, we 
published this piece on Cloud Gardens yesterday, which is oh yeah a game that I've played a bunch of that is like this very it's it is I would I would call it a game uh, in comparison to something like Townscaper, which is more of just mm. like a, a little toy thing, um, a very cool toy thing. Uh, because Cloud Gardens is like, like there's levels and it's it's like you have these dioramas of little like patches of concrete with, you know, like telephone poles or like yeah. fences or things like that. And you have to place these seeds, which then grow. But then like you're not just placing seeds, you're also just placing like kind of just like random bits of like, like plastic lawn chairs or like bottles or ah. like concrete blocks and things and when you place those they make the the plants grow more and the the goal is to like make plants grow enough to cover a certain amount of the diorama and then you go to like the next level and um we published this piece on it uh i edited this piece um by uh ewan wilson and it's about like the concept of rewilding and the concept of like edge lands and um, just all about like these areas that are in between the city and wilderness mm -hmm. and like these sort of like disused areas that um, are sort of seen as like unattractive um, and, and could be, you know, transformed in some way um yeah. and the piece is really fascinating because it, it cites like a lot of really great writers who've written about this stuff and actually i got a bunch of pieces or a bunch of books that i like want to take a look at um uh from this from this piece and talks about like how like our concept of like wilderness is or like our concept of landscape is always sort of something that we have put our stamp on too. Like, mm. because if you think about, to go back to, to England and like wolves and stuff, like the rolling hills in England that like poets and stuff always wrote about, uh, that the romantics always wrote about, those were like human made yeah. in a way because they were created through uh, you know, removing trees or like through sheep grazing, like those aren't natural in the sense that we think about, like if you look at a picture of a landscape like that, it's not like this was created without human input. Right, yeah. Like it's it's always shaped by that. And so like, I think this piece talks about how this game is about the necessity of moving beyond this idea of like, perfect unspoiled nature and then like human artificial stuff and like needing to find a way to like weave those things together to yeah. uh because it's like we can't just be like well we we have to like you know we we have to get rid of all our shit and like fix everything and it's like well we can't there yeah. you can't you can't do that um what you can do is find ways to like make these things work uh, together and uh, I thought that was like a really cool way to look at the game yeah. and a really cool argument just more generally um, so that piece was it was really fun to work on 
And yeah, like I said, I got uh, some great uh, reading material from it too. So That's always something I truly love is when I both learn about something that I might get excited about, like for example, this game, which I absolutely need to play and also get that little spark of, oh my God, I never thought about X, Y, or Z. I'd love to do some more reading on it. And then you have like sources right there. It's like a... I don't know. It's like a little moment of joy for my my mm. nerdy. I wish I was in school on occasion. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, kinda, not school, school, but <laughs> yeah, ideal ideal school. You know, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, yeah, really um, cool. yeah. I I'm so fascinated by this stuff, and um, yeah. I and sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I was like in some kind of like field about like ecology or like <laughs> yeah. uh, geology or something like that. Because I think, you know, I think maybe it's just more of like an interest than anything, but totally. Um, yeah. Robert McFarlane is one author who comes up in this piece and he's written like a bunch of really fascinating sounding books. Uh, and I'm going to try to read one of them called Underland. Ooh. Um, that is, um, it's just the description sounds like it's just so much my shit. Uh, <laughs> like it's um, uh, McFarland takes us on an extraordinary journey into our relationship with darkness, burial, and what lies beneath the surface of both place and mind. Traveling through deep time, the dizzying expanses of geologic time that stretch away from the present, he moves from the birth of the universe to a post-human future. From the prehistoric art of Norwegian sea caves to the blue depths of the Greenland ice cap, from Bronze Age funeral chambers to the catacomb labyrinth below Paris, and from the underground fungal networks through which trees communicate to a deep sunk hiding place where nuclear waste will be stored for 100,000 years to come. Oh, my God. Like fucking underground shit. That is my <laughs> shit. Yes. <laughs> That's some good grotto dimension kind of I stuff. I know. Grotto. It's extreme grotto <laughs> dimension shit. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> extremely extremely cool i think i want to read that too (laughs) yeah how about you uh i worked on a piece that also uh sort of piqued some interest although on a on a different level i uh edited a piece this week from natalie wiener who is our Mm. amazing new sports writer actually we're doing sports stuff now which makes me really happy uh and natalie's focus is very much on sports and labor uh, like labor practices and and labor laws and labor policies and how athletes are treated and not just athletes, but also other workers in like the sports industry. So I think a lot of her coverage is interesting, even if you're not like a sports fan. I don't think you have to be by any means. Just like, yeah, if you care about humans, and like how they're treated uh, in our culture, it's it's really interesting. And she actually wrote a really cool piece about something really positive actually from that perspective Mm. there is a new professional softball league uh and it's called the let me let me see athletes unlimited and they're actually going to start a professional volleyball league as well uh next year which is really fucking cool uh which like seeks to take sports that are like super popular at like a college level like people go to softball games in colleges and they go to volleyball games in colleges um and especially women's sports and like give a good viable place for these athletes to keep going, like good high level athletes to keep playing their sport basically. Mm. And it has all these kind of awesome features where like 
they take into account some like really fun tournament stuff for like the structure of the league and some really cool like actual things that are that are based on like the way like fantasy sports work like oh based on this number of runs or this number of of whatever kind of statistics makes sense uh, and they also, of course, they have really awesome stuff for the opportunity for equity for the players. Uh, there's no owners, no coaches. The players actually do the coaching. Like all this like really cool stuff that is just kind of like getting rid of a lot of the cruft uh, of, of like the capitalistic cruft, I guess you could say, of like a lot of traditional sports leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the players seem really happy with it. And also... Uh, the league actually like matched bonus money. So they get bonuses for performances, you know, like how good their performance is. And they, they will match like uh, a large portion of their bonuses uh, in like charitable donations to the causes of their choice, which is fucking awesome. (laughs) Like that's so fucking cool. Uh, There was a quote from a player who said, I'm a pro athlete, but not on like the monetary level of getting multi-million contracts. I think for the first time, a lot of us felt we might be able to monetarily help an organization that's important to us. So it's like mm. they get to genuinely feel a little bit of power in that. They get to actually have a lot of ownership on you know their own team, their own coaching, like how they're treated on a day-to-day level. It's just really cool uh, and interesting. And like, what a what an interesting model for like professional sports. Like, you yeah. think of pro sports and you think of these monolithic, massively moneyed leagues that are pretty fucking terrible in a lot of ways to their athletes, right? Like, yes, of right. course, a lot of, you know, uh, the top, top, top level of pro athlete, uh, you know, mostly men, they might make millions and millions of dollars, but for the everyday player on most leagues, they're not making that much and they might be treated like shit and they might get an injury that, you know, um, you know, has a lot of repercussions for their life. Um, and obviously players unions and things like that can can help to some extent. But rethinking an entire league structure in this way is just a really cool idea. And the players seem super happy about it. So, yeah, what a what a cool thing. And like one of those little ray of hope things where it's like, yeah, hey, all right. Somebody's trying something new. Somebody's trying something that, mm. uh, that seems pretty awesome. So, yeah, the uh, title of that piece is The Player-Centric Future of Pro Sports. Looks like this brand new softball league. Uh, so yeah, you can check that out. Really cool piece. I really enjoy uh, working with Natalie Weeder. Like, her writing is amazing. <laughs> She's just mm-hmm. such a, a stone-cold pro uh, sports writer. Uh, and it's a joy to be able to work with her on uh, pieces that look so directly into labor and and the politics of sports. So. Yeah, that was that was a fun one uh, to look at, and also I, I just wanted to highlight our uh, hereditary podcast. Oh wait, that's not up yet. Meh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we did record it. We recorded but... it this week. I guess that's a uh, listen in, friends. Uh, listen to the you love to see it feed soon, uh, because we will have uh, a special podcast for you there. It's gonna be it's gonna be real good. Oh yeah, it's up tomorrow. It's actually up this weekend. So if folks want to check that out on Saturday. Uh, that'll be up. I just really loved, I, I think we were able to have like a really good discussion about a movie that's just one of my favorites. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun uh, to work yeah. on. Fun in the like intellectually stimulating way, not necessarily like we're having a, we're having a gas. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a tough movie, but uh, I think a very good one. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to discuss before we uh, closed office hours for business? Oh, geez. Um, 
Uh, beat Hades eight times. Oh, holy shit. So wow. I'm um, on my way. Does to... that make you a, a king of hell, I guess? Uh, I mean, no, Hades still is the king of hell. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe yeah. the, the ending is that happens, but I kind of doubt it. But damn, what a good game. Yeah. What It's just very extremely good. It feels like, you know, I've only played Bastion. I didn't play any of their other ones. But mm. it just feels like kind of the culmination of like everything they've been doing for like the last, you know, 10 years or so. It just is delighting me in so many ways. Um, yeah. It's just like, just def- absolutely the best game I've played this year. And um, I might try to 100% it because it's Hell got its yeah. hooks so deep into me. Um. Yeah, that's don't, all. Don't just, you love uh, when that happens, though? Like when something. Yeah, it just hasn't gets happened you. in a while, and yeah. um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Fuck yeah! I can't wait for it to get its hooks into me because I know it will. <laughs> I just I, I, I even, bet it will. I, bet I haven't will. played it in a while. Is the, the the problem? Like it's it will get there. I've just it's just been fucking wild lately. Yeah. to try to find time to play games. Totally. Totally. But uh, but that's also okay because I've been having a wild time with a lot of the exciting new shit that's happening on the site. So that's uh, it's all very. I'm very okay with this as the exchange, and I know I will be playing mm. more games again soon. So yeah, hell yeah. Well, I think with that, we're probably about ready to close up uh, our Hades office hour. Our Hades <laughs> office. <laughs> I don't know why Hades like popped in there in my brain. Uh, we're ready to close office hours for business for this week. Uh, if you do have a moment, please do rate and review our podcast or tell a friend. It helps us out so very much. It makes me very happy and uh, puts a smile on my face. And I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for doing that. If you do have a chance, you can, of course, listen to all of our shows at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on TikTok at Fanbyte, and of course, on fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our streams on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. And thank you, of course, to Jordan Mallory, uh, for producing, for fact-checking, for uh, making us sound good, for doing all the things that he does. Thank you so much, Jordan. Uh, Merritt, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Duncachino. <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm not at Duncachino. Um, probably someone else has that, and I don't know if they're, like, terrible or not, so I'm just on Twitter, Mary <laughs> Kay. wish there was like a good like Dunkachino Merit K like collab there uh, with letters. We'll get but, there. Yeah, we'll get there. One day. One day. <laughs> I am at Danielle R.I. if you feel like following me. And with that, I think it's time that we close up office hours for business. Bye.